Well, hi, everyone. This is Daniel Williams, senior editor at MGMA and host of the MGMA Podcast Network. We are back with another Mindful Medicine podcast, and joining us today is Steve Brewer. Steve is currently vice president of operations at SSM Monroe Clinic. Steve, welcome to the show. Thank you, Daniel. Happy to be here. Yeah, Steve and I met at the Leaders Conference, which many of you were in attendance there, and we got to know each other a little bit at in Nashville and uh, decided we wanted to get Steve on a podcast as well. Uh, before we get into some of the topics on burnout that you shared with um, participants and attendees at that leaders conference, you had a presentation there. Um, let's get to know a little bit more about SSM Monroe Clinic and your work there. Sure. And, and, and thanks again, Daniel. I really appreciate the opportunity to have this session with you and, and hopefully share some insights with folks. Um, but so my role, Vice President of SSM Monroe Clinic, just think of it as a medical group. So SSM Health is uh, headquartered out of St. Louis, Missouri, covers four different states, including uh, quite a few uh, locations here in Wisconsin. And I'm in Monroe, Wisconsin, which is in the south. Uh, west corner of uh, Wisconsin and just beautiful Rolling Hills area. We've got a great facility, um, about a 50 bed uh, hospital connected to a medical group facility, about 120 physicians and advanced practitioners. So it's a nice mix of, of, a, of a smaller medical group so we can stay connected, but also part of a much larger system as well. And the, and the resources that that brings us as, as well too. Yeah. What, and where is your, what's your major focus there at the clinic? So as the vice president of uh, operations, I'm over the, basically the general multi-specialty medical group. We have primary care and, um, you know, quite a few specialties. So we have cardiology, rheumatology, neurology, general surgery, uh, not the full scope uh, in a smaller, you know, Monroe, Wisconsin's about 10,000 people, but we have a catchment area of um, probably 11 or so different other locations in Northern Illinois, as well as Southern Wisconsin. So pretty broad geography based, a lot of rural medicine. Um, and we are very pleased to be able to offer a pretty broad multi-specialty um, medical care to our communities. Oh, that's great. Now, I alluded to it earlier, you did make a presentation at that Nashville conference, that leaders conference recently. Um, you talked on burnout. And so when you and I met uh, in Nashville, we talked a little bit about some of the research you've been doing. So let's get a little bit of background. What led you to that research in the first place? What led you to, um, you know, developing uh, developing that presentation and, and really having a, a focus on burnout and how you could help others out there? Yeah. Um, so the, the, I guess my main interest in this topic is just, you know, I've been in healthcare administration leadership for over 30 years now. And it's, you know, burnout and, you know, issues, concerns were were there early on in my career. That was, it always seems to be a recurring theme for decades around doing more with less. And so that I don't think has really gone away. In fact, it's gotten worse, especially since the COVID pandemic. But my my particular interest is is probably twofold. One is out of um, personal experience. I've gone through ups and downs in my career, 
uh, different challenges and peaks and valleys, so to speak. And just part of it is on was on personal reflection, um, just taking a step back, uh, navigating those circumstances, those dynamics for myself, but then also seeing that within within others. And I kind of joke that I'm kind of a closet psychologist or a self-proclaimed organizational behaviorist because I really enjoy uh, delving into what drives motivation, job satisfaction, what are the dynamics uh, that, you know, when we wake up in the morning, we keep that zest and that zeal going and really hoping to kind of get back to the field, to the, to the clinicians and not just clinicians, uh, but to leaders. Leaders are struggling these days, uh, probably more than ever in healthcare and um, just really seeing that effect on what it's happy, ha having on them. So it's it's really twofold, personal interest, but then also wanting to turn around and give uh, other support and maybe benefit from some of the learnings that I've picked up along the way. Um, I also, I have such a strong interest. I recently completed my, my doctorate in health sciences, and this was actually centered around my research project for that program. Yeah, that that is really cool. Thank you for sharing that. So Let's talk about that. How have uh, insights from positive psychology and neuroscience informed your understanding and, and what recommendations would you have for us? Yeah, so um, in the course of my research and just kind of looking into the field, you know, it, it dawned on me in, in my, my talk at uh, the leadership conference was transitioning from burnout to engagement. And okay. uh, you came across this... Um, kind of, I guess, subfield within psychology called positive psychology that started in the 90s. And the whole premise of that is the shift from uh, looking at, you know, ailments and illnesses and, and dysfunction around, you know, anxiety, depression, and all the different things that come with that, and towards, well, what's good with human psychology? What, what drives motivation? What improves our well-being and that sort of thing? And focusing on and doing research of what actually lifts us up more so than how do we treat what's what's um, bringing us down. And it really kind of dawned on me that I think as, as folks kind of focus so much on burnout, I'm a little concerned that that's actually causing more burnout. Meaning if I wake up every morning and I'm like, oh, I'm burned out, I'm tired. Uh, you know, you may have heard of the Monday morning syndrome. We wake up on Monday mornings and they're like, oh, great. Now I got to get through my next five days to get to the weekend. And how do we not have that syndrome? How do we kind of find our purpose and that sort of thing? And then within the elements of positive psychology is this model called PERMA. So it's positive emotion, engagement, uh, healthy, positive relations, what gives us meaning, and then also accomplishments. What are those accomplishments along the way that we need to keep our momentum going in a good direction? So um, that really kind of struck me as is taking a step back. And if we focused on what what drives our PERMA, so to speak, then that may actually start to shift mindsets towards the what's actually going well throughout the day in our careers, our jobs, our lives and personal lives as well. Uh, and then that starts to get us into, hey, a more positive engagement on what what really um, you know kind of shifts. And then the neuroscience part of that is understanding that our brains you know do evolve over time is that as we focus on our habits and our different thought processes that start to change how our connections and our 
neurotransmitters and other things that are part of our reaction to stress and positive experiences, you know, we can actually start to hardwire our brains to be more positive or, or to be more sensitive or aware of some of the positive things that happen to us throughout our day. Mm-hmm. Well, Steve, I wish I'd known you back in the 90s. I uh, playing off of what you said about those Monday mornings, I used to call it the Sunday night flu. And uh, I would just be cruising along on a Sunday and then there would be something would click somewhere deep in the recesses of my brain. And I would it would manifest physically and I would feel like I had a fever. I would feel like aches and pains. I would feel horrible. And I did throughout the 90s. I really dealt with a lot of uh stress, anxiety, depression, all kinds of things there. And uh, it's something I continue just working from a mindful practice and some other tools and techniques to to deal with that. I want to get your advice on some of that. But I, I did first want to ask you, are there any book recommendations or any other resources where you've um, gravitated to over the years that you found a lot of solace or uh insights from? Um, Yes, absolutely. So if I take a a step back, when I first started my journey, probably on a very purposeful level, probably eight plus years ago, as I was going through some challenges, um, even going back to, you know, Wayne Dyer and some of the other early, um, you know, writers around the topic of well-being and finding your purpose and meaning and that sort of thing. And then just kind of as I've gotten into more of the the contemporary literature, you know, it, you know, it may sound kind of nerdy, but if you go and go to Amazon and type in uh, positive psychology, there's just all sorts of books that uh, actually will actually um, give you a lot of good insights on. Uh, in fact, I gave uh, a, a, a kind of a textbook to some of my direct reports this year for the holidays instead of a a gift card to the local coffee shop. I gave them a textbook on positive psychology because I think there's so many, you know, good lessons in that whole PERMA and positive relations and and connectedness that it's really a lot of well-being life lessons throughout, you know, throughout uh, their lives, the rest of their lives and their personal lives or their uh, working lives. Um, And as you mentioned, Daniel, I think is that that continuous process because some of this is certainly not a one and done and it's just really kind of formulating those habits and the mindfulness and that sort of thing so uh that is out there also um there's the um uh books by different authors uh there's one in particular that i think is that the folks might find interesting i need to kind of find the actual title um just a quick second here mm-hmm it is The Hall of Happiness by Sonia Lubomirsky. It's um, 2008, but it really kind of outlines some of the science-based components of what supports our well-being and, and happiness and and uh, positive emotions. So that's a great book. Also, Barbara Fredrickson has quite a bit about positivity. She's another psychologist that's written quite a bit about that. So there's there's just all sorts of resources that have evolved over the last probably 10, 20 years around this topic. So those are a few, though, that I would certainly recommend. Right. Now, when we were talking offline, uh, it might have been in Nashville, and you and I also connected again in December. 
I hope I'm remembering this right because <laughs> it's been a it's been a minute. But um, yeah. you were telling me you had actually was it at Berkeley where you took an online course about happiness or connecting? Tell us a little bit about that. I hope I didn't um, get that incorrect. But tell us what actually you took and what you got out of that course. Yeah. So actually, um, uh, UC Berkeley has the Greater Good Science Center, and so there's actually an online uh, free course that you can set up, you know, you can pay and get kind of a certification, but you can right. also audit the course online. And it's really some of the same things that we've talked about is just, um, it's centered around the different components of drive, what drives meaning, purpose. And what's nice is I'm a little bit of a, of a geek. I, I like the science around that. Yeah. Um, you can pick up a lot of popular, you know, books and other things that are more kind of meant to be, I think, inspirational, but this is kind of rooted in, hey, uh, for example, those that do the exercise of find three good things. So you take a moment and you write out three good things that happened to me in the last 24 hours. And it's been demonstrated through research that over a two week time period, then, you know, afterwards, people report a, a higher sense of positive emotion. They have a much higher sense of um of, of uh, just kind of appreciating things, kind of a purpose, a reinvigorating of the purpose. Um, there's another concept out there that was kind of taught in that course about broaden and build. It's like as you broaden your mind, it actually builds uh, resources. So you're more effective in terms of like, hey, I have, I'm more open-minded, for example, to do a talk on leadership uh, engagement at MGMA. And, oh, I've met Daniel. And now I've got hey, let's do a podcast. And so that's kind of an example of broaden and build. And I had a, another colleague come up to me and said, hey, maybe we can do some things together on the same topic. And so that to me is broadening the positivity and you start to build momentum. And you know who knows where that'll go. But those are some of the things that are within that course. And if you're interested, they're, they're meant to be short courses, great video clips, good... Um, journal articles that are attached to that. So if you want to read up on it more and not just listen to, to some of the psychologists that do the original research speak about it, um, I would highly recommend that. And there's some other ones that are out there too. Stanford has an online course, uh, Penn State, where um, Dr. Sullivan, I think, um, started kind of this movement on positive psychology in the early 90s. I believe he's still a professor there mm -hmm. over at Penn State. So there's, if you're really interested and want to geek out, there's a lot of different ways to to kind of do a deep dive if you want. That is great. And I am a total book nerd. And so <laughs> we we actually at MGMA, we just started an MGMA book club that is open to MGMA members. Uh, we just had our first uh, book club meeting this past uh, when, uh, Tuesday. And we read the book Insight by Tasha Yurick. Uh, it's bringing in self-awareness that we have the awareness we have of ourselves and then using a feedback loop, a 360 uh, feedback loop where we're getting the awareness of how others perceive us and then meshing those two together. Like, this is how I think I am. Is this how everyone else sees me? And so that we had a, a lot of great dialogue there. Um, so um, it was refreshing and really cool to meet other book nerds here in this club and and so we will, I'll be sure and put um, these resources you provided us with um, in the episode show notes. So in, in the re remaining moments, let's get a little bit more strategic. You've kind of given us the background. You've got some of the 
ways the, the brain works in some of these situations. So let's jump ahead then. How can leadership practices and organizational culture best support employees' well-being and engagement? What are some tools? What are some strategies you would want to share with us? Yeah. Um, so I, I would suggest, and this is a little bit of, excuse me, my personal journey as I went through, you know, some mind, mindfulness exercises early on and uh, self-awareness of how, you know, emotions work and that sort of thing. It was it was really helpful because I could I could catch myself in the moment as if, if it was a meeting wasn't going right or some other dynamic that was disturbing catching myself kind of preventing from going down that that um that that funnel of doom so to speak in terms of like oh my gosh this isn't going to work and you get the anxiety you get the sunday the sunday night fevers you know those kind of things <laughs> um so part of it is just as a self-aware leader of like okay if i'm portraying this i'm feeling these i know that my team is seeing that too and and then so just kind of starting with yourself and then recognizing as others go into change um, adaptations or, or as they deal with things that are changing in our lives and in healthcare, something is new happening almost every day. Taking a step back and being sensitive to, you know, the variety of ways that individuals react to change. And even if it's positive, it's like something's going to be different, et cetera. But we're kind of hardwired to be biased towards the negatives. Like, well, we're going to look at a a restructuring. I think, you know, nine times out of 10 folks are going to go right to, oh my gosh, what's that going to mean for me? It's going to be, uh, you know, we're going to downsize, something's going to happen. But part of that is, as we as leaders talk about things, understand where that uh, kind of bias is going to be. How do we temper that from the beginning? How do we also then make sure that we are um kind of measuring how much of new things are we rolling out at any one time? Because even a lot of small changes can have the same effect in that fight or flight response in our in our nervous system and our reactions or physiological response as a large change or a large threat. So we need to be, if we're always putting our folks in a constant change of disarray, they're never going to settle in and get their what they call the the flow going. They're not going to get into their flow and in, in kind of regular cadence where they feel comfortable energized, uh, creative, et cetera. So part of it, that's why I did some of the deep dive in my talk is like, okay, as we, as leaders for ourselves, but also that we're those that we work with, be aware of these dynamics because I think it's over, it's easy to over, um, overshadow those or forget about those. And then all of a sudden you wake up and you're like, hey, why is everybody kind of afraid? It's like, well, just if you look behind us, look at all the things we just changed on them. And so, um, and then also, taking a step back and, you know, the Institute for Healthcare Improvement has some nice white papers about engaging with our clinicians and others around what brings them joy, co-creating the um, work environment. So we have balance of what's meaningful to uh, ourselves, as well as how do we still meet patient expectations, organizational, you know, performance metrics and all that kind of stuff, but really staying kind of engaged on a very purposeful level. So yep. hopefully that that answers your question a little bit there, Daniel. I can, I can really kind of go on off on a rant, so sorry about that. So. <laughs> no, no. This is a, <laughs> a topic that requires a, a, a deep study of it, and we can have you back on here and delve into it even more. 
uh, to end this show, I want to just follow up once you've implemented uh, any of those strategies or initiatives, what's the best way to measure them to make sure that what you've implemented is working? You know, for yeah, that. there's there's a lot of different ways. You know, a lot most organizations now do, I would say, like an employee engagement survey or an employee satisfaction survey. So if you have those, I think that there's, I'm sure there's specific questions embedded in there related to, you know, commitment to the job, leadership, et cetera. So I would I would really encourage folks, if you have those, make sure they're not um, kind of superficially Im implemented, meaning, hey, we do employee engagement surveys or satisfaction surveys every year. There's usually embedded in those all sorts of things that inform us on what's important to our folks, what's important, what's their, what's their experiences. But sometimes they're so overwhelming that we don't really get a chance to get a lot of momentum out of those. But I would, so that would be one thing is make sure we pause and actually do things that are meaningful and tangible out of there. Another one could be it's like a, a pulse check. There's a single item burnout question that just goes from anywhere from, hey, I'm doing great and I'm not burnt out at all to I'm level five burnout that, you know, I, I'm, I'm afraid I'm at my wits end. I need help. And that's a that's a quick single questionnaire that's out there it's available you just google single item uh burnout question or survey i'm sure you can find it there's a nice study done on that uh, maybe we can post that or something daniel but yeah. um and then i think the other encouragement is make sure you're doing the same pulse check you're not changing the survey year to year you're not changing the questions and another one is just simply uh very simple of if, if reading the room you know talking with your folks are we moving in the right direction getting their in the moment kind of feedback, are we going in the right direction? Mm -hmm. That is awesome. I think this is a great place to uh, stop this conversation, but we'll get you back on here and talk even more about this topic. So Steve, thanks for joining us. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure and I appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, so this is gonna do it for this episode of the MGMA Mindful Medicine Podcast. We had Steve Brewer on today. He is Vice President of Operations at SSM Monroe Clinic. As we mentioned, we are going to provide a number of resources and links that you can directly access uh, to provide those for you. And for now, thanks for being an MGMA podcast listener. <music>